From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. As the COVID-19 pandemic spread worldwide, one Australian region managed to only record a handful of cases and avoid any deaths, the Northern Territory. But now the NT is on the brink of a public health crisis. The Northern Territory's first case of community transmission has sent the town of Catherine into lockdown for 72 hours. An outbreak in the town of Catherine is spreading to remote communities across the Territory. Nine new cases have been recorded in the Northern Territory of COVID-19, all Indigenous people. And almost everyone who's tested positive so far is Indigenous. In many ways, uh, the worst nightmare of the Northern Territory government, and that is uh, an outbreak that is affecting the Northern Territory's Indigenous population. We now have... Today, Labor Senator for the Northern Territory, Melandiri McCarthy, talks about her family, who were some of the first people impacted by the current outbreak, and how a poor vaccination strategy, combined with misinformation, created the conditions for this impending crisis. It's Tuesday, November 23. Melandiri, the current COVID-19 outbreak in the Northern Territory affects you not just because you represent the Territory as a senator, but because several of your family members were identified as some of the very first cases. So, first of all, how are they? I've been speaking to my family members over the weekend and they are in the right place in terms of the Howard Springs quarantine facility and they are uh, still experiencing COVID uh, effects and uh, it's still a little way to go, but it's always good to be able to talk with them each day. And are you able to tell me a bit about what they know of how they caught COVID? My understanding from the discussions uh, with my family members is they just feel they caught it somewhere in Catherine. Today, we also received a positive COVID-19 test in a 30-year-old Aboriginal female who is a household contact of the man I've just told you about. There is really no sense of from who or where... We are treating her as having been infectious in the Robertson River community since November 11. Uh, They can only guess a couple of locations and a couple of people. This is undoubtedly the most serious update I've had to give you since the start of the pandemic because it involves a case in a remote community. But otherwise, they really don't know. Mm. And the outbreak, these first cases, were detected at Robinson River in the Northern Territory. Can you tell me what it's like there? Robinson River is uh, in the Gulf Country. It's uh, near a town called Borlula. Borlula is the large service town uh, with over a 1,000 people or more, depending on what time of year it is. Robinson River is over 100 k's east of Borlula and it's a small community of around uh, 300 people who live there. And it's uh, part of the language groups that we have. We have four language groups who are all interconnected, the Yanua the Garwa, the Mara and the Gurangi peoples. Robinson River is largely uh, Garwa, but also Wanyi, which moves across the traditional cultural lines, move across through to Woolagrang, Hell's Gate and across to Dumaji. And in small communities like this, everyone would know each other and would visit each other's houses pretty regularly. Oh, absolutely. You know, we're very social creatures and um, 
well, all people I would like to think are social creatures, but First Nations uh, people have large family groups and uh, are naturally communicating and visiting and talking and interacting constantly and that's what we're seeing here is the constant interaction, uh, which the downside of that can mean a constant infection. And in terms of the way that COVID-19, the way that we know that it spreads and the housing situation in large parts of the Northern Territory, can you talk me through your understanding of that in relation to this current outbreak? We have incredible overcrowding, not just uh, in Northern Territory communities and homelands, but we also have it across Australia. The question then is how do they isolate if even just one of them has to isolate uh, in such overcrowded housing? This is something the First Nations Labor Caucus raised uh, last year when the pandemic began, uh, the concerns around housing and our concerns around people's ability to isolate away from their families so that they didn't infect them. Mm. And the outbreak in the Northern Territory, it's now spreading across a number of remote communities. How worried are you at this moment? Extremely concerned. I'm so, so extremely concerned about what this Delta strain uh, is now doing. Because we still don't know how it went from that small first cluster to no cases for nine days and then a second cluster that came from the first. Not just in Catherine, not just at uh, Binjari and Rockhole uh, communities, but right across uh, the Northern Territory. There is a very real possibility that there are people in Catherine who have COVID and either don't know it or don't want to know it. And those people have then spread it in the, to the community. If that is what's actually happened, best case scenario, we got lucky, it hasn't spread any further than what we have caught so far. The uh, advice we've received in recent days from the Chief Health Officer is that there is a nine day lag between when the first lockdown occurred in Catherine to when this second lockdown occurred. Worst case scenario, this has been silently spreading for a week and we are a day or two away from discovering a disaster. The only way to get to the bottom of this is by testing the hell out of the Catherine community. You're doing great. So in that nine day period, COVID may have spread right across the territory, indeed, even across the borders. We'll be back in a moment. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Melandiri, in many of the communities impacted by the current outbreak in the Northern Territory, the vaccination rate is much lower than the national average. In some areas, less than one in five people are fully vaccinated. Can you tell me why that is? 
Well, there's no doubt different reasons for low vaccination rates. I mean, I uh, drove right across the Northern Territory, in particular across the Western Desert from Kalgarinji down to Lajamanu and into Yundamu. And there are varying thoughts of why people would take the vaccine. Some of it could be as simple as just complacency. I'll do it when I'm ready or I'll do it when I next go into town uh, to the worst case sort of end of the scale where people just outright refuse to take the vaccine based on misinformation that they've received either through social media or through close uh, relatives or friends who've also heard and been misinformed about the vaccine. And are you able to tell me a bit more about the nature of the misinformation that's being shared, the the platforms that people are seeing it on, where it comes from and, and what kinds of things are being said? Look, I understand a fair bit of it is coming through Uh, possibly YouTube, uh, possibly through Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, Some of the things that are being said that I have seen are people uh, expressing the the wrong information that people have already died from COVID uh, in terms of the vaccine, not the actual disease. Uh, That's wrong. That has not happened here in the Northern Territory. Uh, Then you've got really extreme views that are coming from Christian groups. Coming up, vaccinations and the dark truth the medical industry isn't telling you. The conversation starts now. And I don't really like saying Christian groups because there's nothing Christ-like about what they're saying. Well, we all have our children and we want what's best for them. And many times we follow what our doctors say when it comes to the health of our sons or daughters. These uh, people who are using Uh, the fear of God in ways that uh, are so, so negative and appallingly terrifying that it is uh, encouraging people to stay away from what is a life-saving vaccine, which is the COVID vaccine. We're discovering that some of our doctor's suggestions might be based on false or incomplete information. I want to say right at the front, I love doctors. God uses doctors. And Luke was a doctor. But today we're going to- uh, these messages from these certainly right-wing uh, Christian groups hasn't helped at all. Mm. And why do you think that misinformation like this is impacting the NT and Aboriginal communities in particular? Is it because there hasn't been enough of the right information coming from the government? Yeah, Ruby, I do lament that. I do lament that. I asked back in February this year uh, with the Department of Health what were they doing to provide messages and communications funding to First Nations media organisations across the country to prepare and be on the front foot about getting the right messaging out about the vaccine? Senator Dodson. Uh, Thank you, Madam Acting Deputy President. Technology is a wonderful thing from Broome. At the very start of its rollout program, the government identified First Nations peoples as number one priority, the group to be focused in upon and prepared for the virus when it arrived. Not much occurred, unfortunately, towards First Nations media directly until September. So you've got this massive gap uh, from February to September, which was filled by these negative messages. To the extent that hesitancy amongst First Nations people is an issue, it's not their fault. The government's bungled and inadequate messaging 
is the cause of that. So the horse had bolted by the time some of the First Nations organisations received their funding in September. It was way too late. We are way too late now. It has been way too slow. And we have not been the priority that the Prime Minister promised First Nations would be. Mm. And what are the other barriers right now to containing the virus in the Northern Territory? I'm thinking here about people who potentially might not get tested out of a, a fear of being blamed for spreading COVID-19. Look, I think the uh, one of the things I did notice last week was uh, the recriminations that began, certainly amongst uh, some of my family members, but even more broadly across uh, some of the regions, was that, you know, you brought COVID in and we've had to, and I've certainly had to do this and other uh, First Nations leaders and clan leader groups have had to remind family members that this is not the time uh, to fight one another or argue with one another. This is the time when we really do need to pull together. COVID was always coming. It was never a case of if, it was just a case of when. I did wonder when I first heard you start to talk about your family members, if part of your reason for talking about it was to kind of address that, you know, head on and say, well, you know, anyone can catch it, including my family. Precisely, Ruby. It was important to get on the front foot, uh, not only to ease the fears of uh, my direct family members who had COVID, but also to reach the wider family groups to say, hey, pull up, you know, this is not the time to blame and this is not the time to shame. Uh, We've got to help one another. Mel and Jerry, thank you so much for your time. No worries. From the Saturday paper comes The Food, a free weekly newsletter featuring curated recipes from some of the country's leading chefs, including Andrew McConnell, Otama Carey, David Moyle and Karen Martini. Cook what they cook by subscribing today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Also in the news today, another two people in the town of Catherine tested positive to COVID-19 on Monday bringing the Northern Territory cluster to 37 cases. Four of those people have been hospitalised. Catherine will remain in lockdown for a further 48 hours until Wednesday night, as authorities await the results of over 1,000 COVID tests conducted in the town and surrounding communities. And from the 1st of December, fully vaccinated visa holders will be able to come to Australia without needing to apply for a travel exemption. Eligible visa holders include skilled migrants and student visa holders, as well as temporary working holiday makers and provisional family visa holidays. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.